Good afternoon from Southeast Asia. <coughs> uh, <coughs> holy crap. This will be episode number 24 of the Southeast Asia Chronicle podcast, recording things. And our uh, purpose is to help you decide if you want to relocate to Southeast Asia. And if you do, can you afford to? And if you can afford to, where you gonna go? And once you figure out where you're gonna go, what's it gonna be like? That's it. That's why we're here. That's our purpose on Earth. That's all we have to do. <laughs> I wish to hell <clears throat> there would have been a guide like this. Ooh, before I came, um, 10, 11 years ago, there were touristy videos and podcasts and things, but they, they're just so silly and sappy. They're just advertisements for whatever country they were talking about. <clears throat> I'm sorry, my voice is <clears throat> just not strong today. I don't know why. Mm, okay. Um, even today, it's hard to find really down-in-the-dirt, nitty-gritty information about Southeast Asia. I was watching a guy uh, just a couple of nights ago. And he, his podcasts are okay, but they're, they're about a particular Southeast Asia country. Um, only that country. He's, I guess he's only been to that country. I don't know. And <clears throat> he does somewhat well on YouTube with them. Now, YouTube, as you know, is the king of all censors. They're probably worse than Facebook, if that's even possible. And that's saying a lot. I don't know how many words in the English language. I, I don't know. Well, I'm going to find out. Hold on. Okay, there's about 171,000 words in the English language. That's really not that many. Um, Facebook, first book, seems to be dedicated to removing somewhere around 100,000 of those words from the English use. Things you can't say. And even if you're using words that are allowable, <clears throat> you can't put them together in certain ways. Uh, God, okay. Years ago, there was a woman who made a comment to her friend, said, all men are ugly. Well, you know, it's her opinion. Whatever, kind of true. <laughs> I think so. Most guys probably think so. Um, she got banned for hate speech. Jeez. Uh, oh, anyway, this guy, this podcaster, talking about Southeast Asia, he was interviewing a prostitute. Uh, which is a good thing to do. I'll probably end up doing it at some point for one of these podcasts. Or two or three. <laughs> that's, all, that's the only thing guys want to know about, for God's sake. Come on, guys. Jeez, get your head out of the toilet, you know. <laughs> what a bunch of wild animals. 
we'll, we'll talk about that syndrome too, the wild animal syndrome when you come to Southeast Asia. I, I got to warn you about that. Don't be one of these guys. <laughs> really, don't do it. Um, you're not going to be well-liked if you do it. There was a guy, there was a Russian. Fuck the Russians. Oh, hate speech. Oh, oh my God, hate speech. Yeah, I hate the Russians. Fuck them. Scorched earth. Lots of reasons. I was in Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine Romania, Eastern Bloc countries last year. Uh, fuck the Russians. Okay. <laughs> anyway, this Russian guy comes into a bar. He'd been hanging around Southeast Asia. This, this happened to me in Thailand. <clears throat> and he was used to getting his way. He was a good-looking guy, big strapped guy, had some money. It's kind of weird for a Russian, but he did. And uh, he was used to just getting his way. Just he, he thought he was king of Thailand. And he walked into a bar, and he was loud, obnoxious, stupid, rough, crude, like Russians are. And his head was full of uh, this notion that he was king of Thailand. And he asked a bar girl to go with him. Come on, baby, now. Let's go. Short time right now. Come on. You know, preamble, no discussion. No, Just come on, bitch, let's go. Now, you, go. Now. And she just said no. And you'll find that not really, really often in Thailand, but somewhat. should be a lot more. But anyway, he went into a rage, <clears throat> grabbed her by the throat, um, pushed her up against a wall, picked her up off the floor. She's choking, 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 turning purple, and then she's not doing anything at all. She's out. And all the other bar girls are screaming at, her, uh, at him to let her go, let her go, let her go, you know, beating on him, beating on him. And some Australian guy just had enough, just had enough. He just fucking had enough. He just calmly walked up to the guy, temple punched him. I was dead before he hit the floor. He went in for questioning. They released him back in the same bar next day. Uh, don't be one of these guys <clears throat> who turns into a goddamn sex animal in Southeast Asia. Because people don't like it. The locals don't like it. I don't like it. Other Westerners don't like it. Nobody likes it. You're going to be a fucking asshole and you're going to be a goddamn target. Don't do it in front of me. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Most guys aren't like that, but God. <clears throat> Some of them are, and they are obnoxious to the nth degree about it. <clears throat> man, oh man. I've told a couple of really brief stories about that earlier in these podcasts. Um, so... Anyway, in some podcasts, we'll sort of get into the etiquette of uh, dealing with bar girls. Because that's mostly what you're going to deal with. Unless, well, God, if you go to Thailand, that's almost all you're going to deal with. Unless you're really, really careful and you learn <clears throat> how to look for and find a better, higher class of girls. Um, Philippines is easier to find a better, higher class of girls. But there are also more scammers per capita than any other country I've ever seen. Philippines. 
Okay, so anyway, back to this guy, back to this podcaster guy. Jeez. He was interviewing a prostitute. And everything he does is, is YouTube. His life revolves around YouTube. So he loves YouTube and he's terrified of YouTube, which is what YouTube wants. And how the hell did he come up? He's talking about some stupid thing with this prostitute. Um, and she, he, yeah, and so she's describe, she's describing something about prostitution and something about what, 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 the, I think the guy asked her, what do the, what do the, what do the customers want when they come? When they, when they, no, no, shut up, shut up. When they go to her, <laughs> hail, hail. And um, she started, she just, you know, th there's not a lot of filtering between the brain and the mouth with these girls. And she just launched into a thing about pussies. <laughs> and I don't remember even what she was talking about. But the poor guy was, was just horrified. He's like, oh my God, that'll get us kicked off of YouTube. Pussy, okay? It's a word. It's part of the English language. Pussy. Pussy. I don't think there's a human being on earth who hasn't used it, including the nerdy little snowflake woke sons of bitches running YouTube. But God forbid you should say it. So he didn't know if he was going to have to, you know, go back and post and bleep out the word pussy. Well, only a pussy would bleep out the word pussy. Okay. So anyway, you got to be careful. If you're on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter or X or whatever the hell they call it these days. Um, that's why we only go to the RSS feeds and we only put stuff on our own servers, period. Because we have control of the hell. We can say pussy. Can you believe that? Oh, the horror. Oh, people will drop dead in the streets to hear that word. Oh, son of a bitch. Okay. So we are... The only ones, as far as I know, where you get straight fucking talk about shit in Southeast Asia. Because <laughs> we ain't afraid to say pussy. And we're going to say oh, a hell of a lot of really worse things as this goes on. So if you're not an adult, you know, tune out, turn off, go away. The snowflakes and the, and the book are not welcome. Because they'll just... I don't know what happens to them if they, they hear bad language. I don't know. I just they uh, first thing probably is convulsions. God, I want to see this. I want to see them convulse. God, that'd be funny, wouldn't it? Convulsions, I would imagine, first. No, no, no. First of all, they look shocked and horrified. And then their eyes roll back in their heads. And they twitch. And, and then they fall down. And then they're, and then they're convulsing. And then um, they pee, then they pee their pants, probably poop. Uh, roll around on the floor. Maybe they bleed from their nose and their ass, something like that. Probably start hyperventilating. And 
Yeah, they're probably quiet for a minute and then they die. So, you know, if you're one of those, go watch YouTube shit because it's Disney friendly. We have thought about trying to go through our podcasts and sanitize them, you know, bleeping, 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 bleeping. It would just be pretty much one long bleep because even though, even if you're not saying prohibited words, you might be saying things that would get you in trouble anyway. You might be discussing con, con um, <sighs> concepts. Jeez. My brain is slowish today. As it always is, all right. Slower than usual today. Uh, concepts and uh, things and subjects that YouTube doesn't personally like. So anyway, as I was saying, in the early days before I came to Southeast Asia, there were some things like that around on YouTube, but they were, they were just travelogues. They were like, oh, Myanmar, beautiful. Oh, yes. Well, no, it's not. You know, what's the truth? Where do you go to get the truth? You're not going to get it on YouTube or Facebook or anything else because all the people who tried to tell the truth there, they just got banned or blocked or accounts deleted or whatever. So we're telling you the truth. That's why we're, you know, different. Okay. So in the last episode, <clears throat> we had sort of wound up with our rental uh, from the infamous J Jewish, uh, real estate tycoon from New York city. Um, one thing I didn't mention was that as soon as we got into that house of J's, uh, people in the neighborhood started blocking our gate so we couldn't get in and out. And we started out really polite. We'd go through the neighborhood knocking on doors. Is this your car? Is this your car? Is this your car? Had a huge sign there that said, do not block this gate. You know, and everybody with two brain cells to rub together knows you don't block a gate. Well, these people didn't care. Uh, it was phalanx and ties equally. And uh, we got testier and testier. Sometimes we couldn't find the people. Or sometimes they'd say, yeah, okay, we'll be over there in a minute. And then an hour later, you still can't get out and go to the store. Um, so we finally devolved to the point of doing exactly the same thing we did in that huge shop house. We started calling the tow truck companies, come and tow, come and tow. Well, are you the owner of the house? No, we're renting. We're leasing, two-year lease. Um, okay, only the owner of the house can authorize a tow. And that's pretty bizarre for the backwoods of Thailand, you know. I mean, it's bullshit. But anyway, that's that's the way they were doing it. Um, so we would get a hold of Jay, and Jay would say, well, you know, I really don't want to have trouble with the neighbors. So why don't you go try to find him again, you know, like that. So we'd... God damn it, Jay. We'd go try to find him again. Sometimes we could, sometimes we couldn't. Uh, about half of the time, either way. And we were at the end of a dead-end alleyway. It wasn't even a soy. It was, it was one vehicle at a time. 
one direction, one direction. It, it, it was... Anyway, okay, so this went on and on and on. Finally, it turned out that uh, when we started really pushing Jay to call a tow truck, he said, well, you know, um, I, I know I told you that 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 parking space in front of your gate, I, I told you that was yours. I told you that went with the house. I said, yeah, yeah, Jay, you, you told us that three times in front of witnesses. You, you were very proud of it. You said it very loudly. And he says, yeah, well, you know, it's not really. That's public property. We don't really have any authorization to tow anybody from there. And my position was, okay, Jay, let's say somebody comes and they parks their SUV there. And then they go back to England, you know, for six months. And we can't tow them and we can't get out. What are we, what are we going to do then, Jay? Well, I don't know. I, I, I don't really want to have any trouble. I don't want to deal with this, you know. Okay, so... The point that I'm trying to drive home, that this is the last nail in, in the coffin. The point that I'm trying to drive home here is that in in a Western country, you have recourse for this shit. If the guy promised you that went with your property, but it didn't, you sue him. You fucking sue him. In Southeast Asia, it's not going to happen. You can't do it. You're going to end up with your own vehicle stuck inside your own driveway for six months or you're going to leave the house. We left the house because there was no resolution to it. And you got to expect that stuff all the way straight across the board. Um, unfortunately, renting a place to live is something that pretty much everybody, every single person has to do when they get to Southeast Asia. Hotels are hotels. You know, I've had one or two that, when I came to the uh, Philippines, I, I had one that was, it wasn't too bad, really, if not for the noisy Filipinos in the halls. I could have just stayed right there in that hotel. The price was okay. Wasn't that much more than a, than a condo. It was big. A couple of beds. Comfortable, centrally located. It was okay. I, I probably could have stayed there if not for that. So you might find a hotel situation where you can stay. Um, I kind of recommend it, if you do, if you can find one. Everything's taken care of for you. Some of them have cooking facilities. I had one in, uh, no, I had I had two different ones in uh, Bangkok that had full kitchens. Full kitchens. For a very reasonable price. Um, you can do Airbnbs, which I recommend, except they seem to be more expensive than a goddamn hotel these days. I don't know why they think their stuff doesn't stink, but they really got an attitude with these Airbnb things. They're pricing themselves right out of the industry. But if you can find one that's reasonably priced, um, you know, everything's taken care of for you. You don't have to sign into utility accounts and you usually get Wi-Fi built in and it just saves a lot of trouble. Uh, I really recommend a solution like that unless you, for the first year, you know, 
be really, really, really sure you want to stay there because if you don't and you want to get out of your condo, you want to get out of your home that you bought or whatever, uh, almost forget it. Just forget it. There's, there's, there's no line of people banging on your door to buy your property. Uh, lots and lots and lots of properties all over Southeast Asia that flangs by and then they don't like the country anymore or they, whatever. They lose their visa. Whatever happens, they get sick, they gotta go home, whatever. Uh, they end up, well, first of all, they, they can't sell a place, so they try to rent it out. They can't rent it out because the agents will screw them. Uh, the tenants will screw them and they just get screwed and screwed and screwed and screwed. And then they abandon the property. They just abandon it, lose everything. Um, buying in Southeast Asia is a, generally a bad idea, mostly due to landlords and agents. You'll also find that building administrators sometimes can be just horrifically bad. I'm in a building right now where the, uh, the admin is just, uh, I'll go through that later. One reason not to move to Philippines. Things you won't even believe. We have to sign a document now. We have to complete a document and sign it. And every person in our group has to complete and sign it to go to our own pool. When we're done, we have to sign back out. Now, there's two RFID cards required to get into the pool. Still, you have to complete a document. And that's just kind of the way the Philippines rolls. So, anyway. What I've got here now, what I'm strapped with <laughs> this episode, the questions have piled up to the point where they're kind of ridiculous. God, I... I this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh man, there's like 26 pages of questions that people have written in and I haven't really gone through them to, to even vet them. So hopefully there are some things in there <laughs> that have already been answered, but um, we got to start whacking these down because we're drowning in questions. Um, okay, this, this one wants to know I don't know what the hell he wants to know. I'm going to answer it this way. Um, most of the trouble that you will have in most Southeast Asian countries will come from white people. 80%, I would say. Whether it's a landlord deal, landlord-tenant deal, or whether it's in traffic, or whether it's a... a a Falang-owned shop that you're trying to buy something from, or yeah, the you know the nationals will screw you quite a bit, but I swear to God the Falangs will screw you more. So the trouble you have in Thailand or most other countries, I think there's more Falangs in Thailand per capita than the other countries. Philippines. I don't know. Philippines has got more than its share, that's for sure. 
um, you're going to have more trouble with the whites than the Westerners, you know, the Phalangs, the, the Americans, the Canadians, the Brits, uh, Australians, Germans. That's where most of your trouble is going to come from, especially in traffic. Um, you'll see the nationals driving like lunatics, you know, like monkeys. Ling is the Thai word for monkey, ling. They drive like lings, like crazy, drunken lings. Um, but they don't usually instigate issues. Phalangs will. The phalangs will cut you off, flip you off, stomp on the brakes in front of you. Typical phalang behavior. It's one of the reasons many, many, many of us, including me, left or want to leave our Western countries. Phalangs cause trouble. The the word phalang, I, I, I explained that before. It's not phalang. It's a Thai word. It's farang. F-A-R-A-N-G. The Thais don't really pronounce the R's well in that particular word, so they bastardize it to Phalang. And it's, it's pronounced with the uh, emphasis a little bit on the fa. Phalang. Phalang. It's not, I say it, phalang. That's incorrect. It's phalang. And technically the word just means uh, white westerner. You know, there's no connotation to good, bad, indifferent, nothing. Well, indifferent, yeah. It's, it's, it's just a neutral word. But over the years and years and years, and I've watched this develop, uh, phalang, 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 has come to mean more and more a negative thing. It means troublemaker. More and more and more. It used to be completely, totally neutral word, phalang. That just meant a white guy could be a good guy, bad guy, could, you know, whatever. Now it means phalang, troublemaker. And it mostly comes from the Brits. And speaking of which, um, I have, I have said many times that the trouble Southeast Asia has with Brits comes almost completely from a British people with a particular accent. It's very identifiable. And I've been trying to figure out what that accent is. And people have written in and, and they say, Oh, that's Cockney. That's good. What do I, you, what, you don't know anything. That's Cockney. Well, no, it's not entirely. It sounds, it has a lot of Cockney attributes to it. Uh, but there's another twist to it. it. It must be a particular kind of Cockney British accent. Um, Cockney is a very, very big way of speaking in, in uh, England. I suspect that there are, you know, variations of it. But it seems like somewhere around 90, 95%, oh God, maybe 98% of the Brits who end up in Southeast Asia have this Cockney-like accent, but it's a, it's got its own little twist to it. Somebody, some Brit somewhere knows what I'm talking about. Uh, the, the regular British accent is delightful. It's lovely. And, uh, my limited experience with those using that accent, perfectly fine. There's normal people. Some good ones, some bad ones, but I love listening to the, to that, to the normal 
and, and there's a number of other British accents too, but all of them are just fine. They're just fine. They're just, you know, sound a little bit like this, sound a little bit like that. They're fine. But the Cockney, of course, is a very um, distasteful accent. And this particular rendition of Cockney that you find in Southeast Asia is another level down from that. I, it would take somebody who has been around England a lot and they know all the accents, you know, and I'm sure they say, oh, that's Cockney slash uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm sure they know what it is. But that's, w w if there's a particular geographical area of England that speaks that weird Cockney slash whatever, Cockney dash whatever, um, that must be where all these guys come from. And it must be a pretty goddamn fucking bad place. Jesus Christ. Anyway, all right. You, in traffic, in traffic, in Southeast Asian countries, I would say, from, from my own experience, I would say 85% of all the trouble confrontations I've had in traffic came from phalanx. And of the ones where I could identify the accent, almost all were British. Just, it's just a troublemaking strata of society. And so their behavior has begun to change the meaning of the word falling, falling. And now it's, it's somewhat negative. It's, it's, it has dipped well into the negative. Okay. So that answers that question. I hope it does. Somebody will ask the same question three days from now. Um, one thing people need to do who come anywhere to Southeast Asia, learn how to pronounce the basic names. You know, Bangkok. How can you screw that up? But people do. Sawarnapum. That's the airport, Bangkok. Sawarnapum. People screw that up in every possible way you could possibly imagine. Uh, Isan, that's a huge, huge section of Thailand. It's spelled in English, it's spelled I-S-A-A-N, Isan. And you get these guys come down, mostly Brits, and it's, uh, they'll pronounce it every possible, Isan, Isan, Isane, you know, no, it's Isan. Why is that difficult? You sound like a moron, you know? Learn to pronounce the basic names of places. Uh, a lot of the Brits end up in a place, in, in a little tourist town called Pattaya. Only three syllables. Pretty clear. Pattaya. Okay. I can't count the number of people who will show up there, and some of them have lived there 10 freaking years, and they pronounce it Pattaya. No, it's not fucking Pattaya. Look at the spelling, it has nothing to do with, there's no I in there, there's no I, there's... Some of them kind of sort of get it right, and they say Pattaya. No, it's not Pattaya. 
kind of spelled that way. Ask the locals. You say, Peta. P-A-T-T-A. Peta. Give it a little brief pause. Yeah. Peta. Yeah. Peta. Yeah. Peta. Yeah. The Y is, is used for the yeah. It's not used for the end of the pate. Peta. Yeah. Peta. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> Lots more examples. You go, just go, go Google, uh, how people mispronounce Southeast Asian names. It is just shocking shit. Cambodia is Kambusha. Fucking hell. Laos, pronounced locally as Lao. <laughs> you know, come on. It's okay to be stupid when you first get there, okay? But when you hear, when, when you're going around saying, Pattaya, Pattaya, I'm going to Pattaya. And then you get there. Every single person around you doesn't speak it that way, except for the really crude imbeciles. And you, you start thinking, no, no, wait, 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 no, it's not Pattaya. 99% of people say Pattaya. And I've heard Falang radio casters' personalities pronouncing it Pattaya. What the fucking fuck? Okay. Phuket. They pronounce it fuck it. <laughs> Come on, Jesus Christ. Kosamwai. Uh, a ko is an island. It's it's spelled K O H. That means island. Samwai, Samwai. That's the name of the island. Kolarn. Okay. It's not Kolarn. It's there's a the ko is pronounced a little bit abruptly, just a little bit abruptly. Kolarn. Co Larn. It, you kind of cut it a little bit short. Co Larn. Okay. You know, anyway, the point is learn. And, and one of the problems is you can't, Google will fuck these up as bad as anybody else. So you can't go to Google. Only if you want to learn how to pronounce things, go to a site made by a Thai or a Filipino or whatever. A kombucha or Khmer, you know. Um, and they will tell you how to pronounce things correctly. Don't sound like a goddamn British moron. Jeez, that puts people off. Okay. People want to know. This is a really good one. They want to know if they can possibly get into relief work in Southeast Asia. Okay. That's a huge issue, huge issue. I did some of that in a Western city in the U.S. Learned a lot. I learned some really basic, powerful lessons about what you can do, what you can't do, what you should do, what you shouldn't do with regard to people down on their luck. Uh, I learned, personally I learned, in the U.S. that I don't want to deal with adults down on their luck. I don't care anymore. Virtually every problem they've got is they brought on themselves out of stupidity, out of weakness, poor planning, stupidity, poor planning, stupidity, you know, pretty much, pretty much almost every single case. 
And I just burned out. I burned out. I decided instead I did feel good about helping kids. So here's what I did. First thing I did when I first got to Southeast Asia. Um, I wrote a form letter. Really nice, polite form letter. One page, clear, concise, professional. And I, I sent it to, I believe, God, 130 or 140 maybe as many as 160, but I'm thinking 140 uh, re churches, mainly churches or, or religious organizations in only the Philippines because I wanted to do that work in the Philippines. I thought that would be the best opportunity for it. I had, I had been there before and I, and I saw, you know, that need was pretty high. And uh, so I sent that form letter out to all those places. It's quite a little undertaking. And the letter said, hello, my name is so-and-so, and, -so, and uh, I am interested in doing relief work. I'm interested in helping your organization. Um, you don't have to pay me. You don't have to put me up. You don't have to buy my food. You don't have to do anything at all. I have my own money. I simply want to do this because I enjoy it. Uh, I want to help mostly kids, orphans kids living in the jungle, so forth. Um, I have the following skills. I have skills, I can fly airplanes and helicopters. And, and I, want you to, I want you to just look through my list of skills here. If there's anything you think you might even remotely be able to use, you just say the word. You can use it. It's yours for free. This skill is yours for free. I can fly airplanes and helicopters. Um... I was a logger. I know how to log. I know how to run every kind of heavy machinery. Uh, I know how to conduct myself in violent situations with people shooting. And I, I didn't really elaborate into that. But, uh, you know, I, that's a skill. Take it or leave it. You don't need it. That's fine. I don't care. Uh, I can teach English. I wrote nine books. I wrote hundreds and hundreds of articles for national magazines, some of them uh, fluff pieces for, for travelogues and things like that. Uh, at the end of my writing career, I was making $6 a word. A word. That was in the 80s. That means I have some value as a writer. You got ease for that, for that skill? Use it. It's free. Um, I can drive every kind of vehicle. I put a couple hundred thousand miles on motorcycles. I was a semi-truck and tractor trailer um, examiner and teacher. Uh, I commercial diver. I pulled 131 shipwrecks off the bottom. I did 321 rescues in the Pacific Coast Guard twice. Um, I can't remember what all things I listed. A bunch more things. I trained wild horses for many years. Uh, you know, okay. So I had a long list. I had a good, good, solid resume of things, of skills I could bring to the table. If there's anything in here that you think you might be able to use or any variation of it, or 
whatever, you know, this is who I am. I'm at your disposal. Call me. And I sent those out. And I waited um, probably four months, something like that, give or take four months. And how many replies did I get? I didn't get one. And I thought, oh, what the hell? Maybe maybe this batch of mail got lost or something, you know? Maybe the whole batch got lost. Because, you know, 130, 40, 50 relief churches in the Philippines, you know, they're all Christian churches. It's certainly, at the very at the very least, you know, one pastor or father would, would write back and say, oh, thank you for the letter. That's really nice. We don't, we, we can't really use you right now, but let's stay in touch, you know? Not one, not one, not nothing. And, and no mail got returned either. Um, so after whatever it was, four months, whatever, I made up another batch, slightly different wording, but, but pretty much the same thing and sent them off again to, to the same addresses plus more. That's probably the batch that had 160. And I waited again. And after about three or four months, I got like three replies. As I recall, one of them was just asking for a direct donation. They didn't want to know. They didn't want my help. They didn't want anything. They just wanted me to send them money. Uh, there were two others that said I would be welcome to come and help their complex, whatever it was, as long as I paid them a lot of money for every week that I was there. And that was it. That's all I ever got. That's all I ever got. So I thought, oh, okay. That was the beginning of my understanding of relief work in Southeast Asia. Most of them are too lazy to even ask you for the money, but if they do get up the gumption for that, that's all they want is the money. They, they don't care really about helping hardly anybody at all. They just want more money so they can hire more administrators who will ask for more money. And yeah, occasionally, you know, they buy some bulk cheap food and they distribute it in some poorer neighborhood, you know, to drop in the bucket. Do that once a month and think they're relief workers. Okay, so after that, what I did was I contacted a few of the local, no, not a few, probably a dozen, probably a dozen of the local charity organizations in, in Thailand and said basically the same thing. Look, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Uh, I can take pictures, you know. I retire as a photographer, I can take pictures. You need pictures? Just tell me. And two of them got back to me. Two of them. Two of them. Um, one of them was a, a home for children who had been sexually abused, by, usually by their parents. The government had put them in this home. Um, I think, I, I, yeah, I went and met them first. 
And kids were all great. Did some pictures for them. Uh, they had a shit life, even though they were getting a lot of donations. They had a shit life. They were living in a in a really cramped little place. Hardly any, they couldn't go out in front at all. They could barely go out in back. The, the little back area was walled off. It was so small that all the kids couldn't fit in it at any given time. And they, they had horrible, boring lives. They were just terrible, boring lives. And uh, I got to know them for a while and hung around and One day I got an idea, said, hey, let's do something for these kids that's cool, that they're going to remember for the rest of their lives. And I made up a whole list of things we could do that I would pay for. And I don't remember what all was on the list. There's about 20 things. Uh, one of them was we can, we can go have a big barbecue on the beach, I'll pay. And, and they had... Uh, they had plenty of administrators to go along and take care of all the kids. I didn't have to do anything, they, you know, just supply the stuff and show up and whatever, you know. Um, so that was one idea. One idea was uh, take them to the water park or we'll take them to the big amusement park in Bangkok or, God, I can't remember, take them camping, you know. Look, I'll buy, I'll pay, I'll pay everything, go camping. Um, we can go take them to a nice restaurant, I'll pay, I'll pay all the, all the meals. There was about 50 kids. So, you know, these, these were not small offers. Um, none of these kids had ever been on an airplane, didn't expect to ever in their lives. So one proposal, I said, okay, let's put them all on a plane together as a group. We'll fly them to Chiang Mai. Get off the plane, we'll have lunch, they can look out look around, maybe walk around a little bit, back on the plane, back here same day. Total time, you know, five hours. Uh, and I thought that was fairly generous, you know. <laughs> um, I offered to take them all bowling. Uh, can't remember what all. About 20 things like that. And I made that up into a nice proposal and sent it to the to the guy who was the head of the of the home, some filling. And uh, took him about a month, and he wrote back and he said, "No, nah, you know, we, we don't, we we're not really interested in doing any of this stuff for the kids. Uh, can you send us money?" Oh, fucking hell! And I never went back out there again. Uh, the other one I got involved with was a pretty big one. I, I got involved with a couple of them just kind of sort of on the periphery, periphery, and I could never really work my way in. Um, this other one, though, the big one, uh, they were big and they were formal. And I had to go through a background check before I could come hang around, and that was fine. Um in fact, it, in fact, you, you have to do that anymore. I, I don't like it, but you have to. You don't have any choice. You have to do it. Uh, even if it's not required by law, you just common sense tells you you have to do it. So, you know, perverts and pedophiles thinking about, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to Thailand. I'm going to get involved with charities. charities. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're going to get stopped cold. 
period. So don't even, just, just, just don't even think that. Um, and I hung around with this outfit for quite a while. I don't know, like a year, maybe. They wanted all kinds of pictures. Mostly what, God damn I wanted to, I wanted to show people living their lives out in the bush. Just living their normal lives out in the bush. And they didn't want that. They wanted pictures only, really pretty much only of them at that moment handing food to the people out in the bush. You know, they wanted this, you know, just hold the shutter, click, 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 as the, as this, you know, bag of rice was being handed over to them. That's what they wanted. Now, wait a minute. They, no, they weren't smiling in that one. Oh, wait, we want another one, you know. It was all just like that and nothing else. Um, they wanted me to go in and photograph dying people in jungle huts. Well, I was kind of okay with that and kind of not. On the one hand, it's good for people to see the shit, the, the, how people are suffering. And people sitting in uh, some LA suburb and they're looking at that and they're thinking, oh God, oh God. Oh, that old woman, look at her. She's laying in a chase lounge. She's got a piece of tin over her. It's pouring all around her, dripping down on her. And there's snakes and there's rats. And there's mangy, starving, dying dogs and cats. Little naked children running around, running through the broken glass. And, and this, this person's got like maybe an hour or two to live. And I wanted to see that. Because they need to. They need to snap out of their little yuppie fantasy utopia woke shit life. The other side of it was I didn't want to intrude on these people. God, I felt horrible about that. They almost had to physically force me to go into these huts and take these people's pictures. I just didn't want to do it. But the uh, the charity was like, go, go, yes. They want you to take the picture. Go, go, go. And I, I'm like, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. And then the, the people would come out and they say, yes, please, please come take photo of grandma. So, you know, they kind of sort of, I guess, wanted it. But it was tough. It was tough for that reason. I just didn't want to be the intruder. I didn't want to make a spectacle of them. I, I did because I wanted to use them to wake people up, but I didn't because I didn't want to be the intruder. A number of cases where they knew people were going to die, they would have me come and sit. And they wanted like one picture every minute. So hopefully they would get the picture at the moment of death. And, and I, I did that. And I don't know what that 
means, you know, to my eternal soul. I don't know. I don't know what the great pumpkin thinks of that. I don't like it. I, I see it as a something. I, 50% a good thing, 50% a bad thing. It was Jesus Christ. So anyway, I did that for quite a while. Um, and then I began to see things. One thing I began to see was that this charity was getting humongous loads of donations, of, of uh, physical goods donations. And I donated shitloads of stuff to them. I, I was a quintessential uh, consumer and I bought everything. I, I had deliveries coming, you know, three to seven times a day just because I like to buy stupid shit. And I look at it, play with it for an hour a day. And, oh, I don't really like it anymore. And returns are difficult. So, you you know, you give it away or it stacks up in some big shop house, you know, <laughs> which is what happened to me. Uh, so I gave them just loads and loads and loads of of donations of stuff. But many other people gave them 50 times more than me. They would have pickup after pickup after pickup, even big one-ton, uh, maybe two-ton trucks back up to their big main area and just offload this gigantic pile of stuff. Well, as it turned out, people don't usually give away stuff they like. They give away stuff they don't like. That means chances are fairly good that nobody else is going to like it either. Or it's damaged. Well, here, we'll give you these things. Maybe you can fix them, you know. Okay, so it went like that. And that was okay. That's that's part of the whole giving and accepting thing. That's just kind of the way it goes. The thing that began to wear on me was that... Uh, The admin, the administrators, about half Thai, half Falang. As soon as the stuff would get dropped off, all the kids would crowd around it. I don't know how many kids. I think they had, I don't know, maybe 70 kids, something like that. And the kids would crowd around it, and they knew it was a donation for them, and they're like, oh, my God, oh, my. You know, they're, they're told, no, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. We have to sort it first. And sort of thinking, oh, my God, I maybe I could get that thing. Maybe I could get that wagon, you know. Oh, geez. Okay, so then the admin people would come in and they would sort it all right. And they would sort it from shit to good. And the good stuff went in their cars and went to their homes. And all the broken nasty, worthless shit got left for the kids. And it pissed me the fuck off. Fucking pissed me off. Still does, obviously. Not very good at masking my feelings, but that fucking pissed me off. And this was done anywhere from two to four times a week, I suppose. So the children of the admins were living a high life stuff that nobody could ever afford to buy for them. And all the while, the people donating this stuff thought that all this stuff was going to these disadvantaged kids. 
that they could take home back to the jungle and, and have something to play with, you know. And that goes on to this day, exactly the same. That was many years ago. It's exactly the same. The other thing, kind of the capper for me, it was the straw that broke the camel's back, was they, they did this very regularly, but one time I was aware of. They scheduled a, a big dinner. And the admin, how many admin? 15 or 20, probably. They got a big dinner hall and they scheduled this big dinner and they went out and they bought from, from the charity, from the home's proceeds, they went out and bought every kind of steak and lobster and shrimp and wonderful cheeses and desserts and all the very best food that Thailand had to offer. And then they sat down and they chowed down and they gorged themselves hung around three or four or five hours until they were hungry again, gorge again. I'm going to let that shit go to waste. And then, when they were all done, they would uh, bag it up, take it all to their home. Not a goddamn fucking bite for the kids. Not a fucking bite for the kids. Not one. <sighs> okay, that was... Kind of, the, I think that probably was the capper for me. That was the straw. Now, when COVID hit, Thailand was locked down more than almost any other country. And the, the big cheese, the head honcho of this home, I'm going to be very, very careful here not to reveal it. Um, that person at the very beginning, when it looked like things were going to lock down, that person went home to their home country. Just booked a flight, got out, and left the whole home, the whole, the whole operation, the whole organization to be run by, you know, the administrators a few of whom were dedicated, the rest of whom were just kind of there hanging out to get free stuff, I guess. And then right about the time that person got home, they did lock down the borders. Uh, not only could that person not get back into Thailand, that person was prevented from getting out of their own country. So, what did they do? They sat there in their own country and they continued drawing a wage from the home. Now, it turned out that within about six months, uh, a way to get out of that country did develop and a way to get into Thailand did develop. Lots of people did it. It was kind of a pain in the ass. You had to go quarantine and Screw around like that. It was a pain in the butt. But rather than this person going through that to get back to their kids, they just stayed in their home country for two years. Drawn a nice salary 
from the home. Now, wherever I went around Southeast Asia, um, that's what I saw. Any country, that's what I saw. I tried to join some groups in uh, Kombucha. No, 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 we, we don't need you. Send us money, just send us money. Here's the address, send money. But, uh, you know, no point in showing up. We don't want you to come around. We don't want you to actually help with anything. Uh, I, I don't know. I heard of a couple of them that were supposedly different. I went and approached them in person and they weren't any different at all. They just wanted money. Okay, so you're interested in getting involved in relief work in Southeast Asia. Here's my recommendation. Just go fucking do it. Don't bother with these organizations. Don't even talk to them. Just go do it. You go hang around, you travel around, you look around, you see there's a need. You got a bunch of kids living in the jungle over here. They don't have foods. Half their, their parents are drunk and they fucked off somewhere. Nobody knows where they are. The kids are starving. Take them food. Just take them food. Then they're getting 100% of the benefit that you can provide. They're not getting 5% after the admin takes their cut. If you want to know where people are who need things, especially kids, as I, as I said, I don't hardly give a rat's ass about adults anymore. A little bit I do. Depends on their circumstances. But... Um, I certainly have more empathy for hard up adults in Southeast Asia than I, than I do in any Western country. Western countries have programs. They can, they can go places. They can get money. They can get medical, they get better medical care than I do for free. Uh, Southeast Asia, um, there are no shortage of situations where they simply do not have any Choice. Kind of, sort of. Okay, now here's another story. In Thailand, there's a Starbucks I went to somewhat oftenish, off, often, often-ish. <laughs> and um, there was a guy who hung out there, Thai guy, probably 40, 35, 40. He had no legs at all. I don't. If he had stubs below the hips, they weren't really apparent. He was on his ass. Uh, he had one good arm. And he had one arm lost at the elbow. And I have no idea what happened to him. Never ask him. He had a pad thing. Was it just like a towel or two that he had duct taped? over his ass, because he was on his ass. He's scooting around on his ass. He had to go over, in order to get two arms to touch the ground, pavement, he had to go over very far because one arm ended at the elbow. So he's way off balance. 
and he scooted around like that, uh, like a monkey. Everywhere. Everywhere. No welfare, Thailand. No disability. There, fuck all. And this guy, his hood was around this Starbucks. I never once saw him ask anybody for money. Um, he just hung around there, and people would give it to him. He never sat there with a goddamn cup. Fuck that. Never, never. He just hung around there. And people would come and give him little bits of money, as did I. I gave him a lot of money. Now, it still could be argued, and there still are purists who could argue, well, he could do some kind of honest work, couldn't he? You know, he could sort eggs on a farm or something. Well, maybe he could. I'm not that anal retentive. I'm not going to make that argument. He, he had hard enough. Yeah, hard enough. And if you I did this a few times and I and I beat myself for it. I would see him a little ways away, fifty feet away. And I would make the decision to give him some money. <laughs> what a dumb fucking son of a bitch I am. I could have walked right over to him, given him the money. I didn't. I asked him to come to me. And he did. I said, thank you. I said, I'll take trouble. The fuck was I thinking? What kind of fucking putrid, goddamn fucking arrogant shit is that? I did that a few times, and then I woke up, and then I walked over and gave him the money. Uh... Anyway, you see these ladies sitting on the, uh, on the on the curbs, their little cups, and their baby. Well, it's not their baby. They borrowed it from the fucking neighbor. And they try to look really pathetic. They're fat. You know, they're fat. Getting food somewhere, but they try to, you know, they, they take their shake when they put a little piece of rice in their mouth, you know. Okay. They ain't starving. When you go to Bangkok, if you get into the more Phalang touristy areas, eh, starting at about 7 o'clock at night, sun goes down. You Everywhere you walk, you're going to see little kids sleeping on the sidewalk or off the sidewalk right next to the sidewalk, on a little patch of grass or whatever. Everywhere. You see them everywhere. Um, and they're just zonked out. They're out to the world. Like they have been digging all day. And they couldn't walk another meter. And they had a little dirty little blanket. They just threw it down there. They lay down, go to sleep. Figuring they'll wake up in a few hours and start digging again. It's heartbreaking. It's some of them have these filthy old teddy bears. Uh, fairly often they'll have a puppy that's been following them around. The puppy's laying there sleeping next to him. It's a darling goddamn visual. And so two out of three phalangs that walk by there, oh, they almost cry. 
they bend down and they put some money or tuck some money under them or as they're sleeping, something like that. Now, every single one is a plant. It's all fake. The vans run by the local mafioso boss. Whatever neighborhood, neighborhoods all run the same. They go around, they have a route where they pick up the kids. The van stops in front like the school bus. The kids come bounding out of the house. And they jump in the van and they're all horsing around, playing around, and the van goes around, picks up to the tail. It's full, you know. And then the van will stop a few blocks from the touristy area. The kids pile up. And the mafia drugs them. They can take a sleeping pill or maybe inject a little something. Give them their blanket and their little dolly, little stuffed rabbit. And they walk with them until they're pretty close to the place where they want to plant them for the night. And I tell them, okay, you, you go to that spot. The spots are probably numbered for all I know. You, you go there. And you lay down. And don't worry, we're, we're going to watch you. You'll be sleepy in a minute, you know. Just lay down there. It's warm, you know. It's, they don't do it in the rain. Uh, so the kids are like, yeah, okay, you know. Been there 20, 30 times before, you know. Okay, yeah, they just go there. And they sit down, they roll out their little blanket. People are watching them. People are already dropping money. And pretty soon they fall asleep. If there's a puppy, they drug the puppy too. He's asleep. Never saw a cat. <laughs> How many puppies? I think once or twice a rabbit. Uh, and somebody will watch him all night. It's always somebody standing somewhere. If you look, take a little time, look hard enough. There's always going to be a tie standing somewhere, maybe even a block away. Next to a light post or something behind a bush, and they're watching these kids. And they, they, they don't really watch them all that close, you know, because they're busy smoking cigarettes and shit like that, but talking on their phone, you know, but they, but they watch them. You know, the kids could probably be missing for a minute before they ever figured it out. Um, and then at the end of the night, probably about four in the morning when the tourists are finally too drunk to care and they're winding down, then they go around, collect up these kids, wake them up. They know just how long the little dose will keep them asleep. And uh, they collect all the money people have left there, put them in the van, they take them one by one by one like the school bus back to their homes. And they, they split up the money, they, 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 they give a cut to the kids and a cut to the mafia. 
And the kid gets off, gets out of the van, goes home, gives the money to mom and dad. That's how it's done. I know plenty of Thai people who fall for this shit. Now, are there real kids sleeping, homeless kids sleeping in, in the cities of Bangkok, whatever? Yeah, there are. You can go find them, but they're not going to be easy to find and they're not going to be visible from any place you could normally get to. They're going to be down these dark dead-end soys in the big city. And they're going to be nestled up under some piece of plywood somewhere where they're just almost impossible to see. Unless you know how to look for them. Those are the real kids. If you want to give money, give money to those kids. Or go buy some food, packaged, and just set it there so when they, when they, well, chances are when you approach, they're going to wake up because they're weary as a rat. They're not drugged. They're just tired and they got no home and they got no parents. So you leave the food there and you walk away. You want to do something good, do that. Jesus. Um, that's relief work in all of Southeast Asia. It's going to be the same scenario pretty much everywhere. Uh, I do not see the sleeping kids. No, that's not true. I was going to say I don't see them in the Philippines. I do. In certain neighborhoods, you can see them. But not, not anything like in Bangkok. Now, the police are getting paid off in this. There, there's quite a few people to pay off from the proceeds of each kid's earnings each night. The police, the mafia, parents get little pittance what's left over. It's a rough life. It's a rough life. Okay, so I may think of more on that topic some other time. Uh, how do we do for time here? On that cheery note, let's just call it a day. I still have, you know, like 28 pages of questions here. I'm scrolling through. Oh, my God. I don't know if five more episodes are going to do it. Holy crap, Ola. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to browse here. Is there anything... No, there's nothing. There's no question that I can, whose answer I can launch into that's going to be short. Um, <laughs> no. Okay, I, I think let's, I'm still not feeling well. So let's just call it a day. Yeah, every one of these is like half of a podcast. So, okay then, kitties, ladies and germs. Is that how that went? Yeah, ladies and germs, not ladies and gentlemen. That, that was like a 1930s joke. It was funny for about the first three times some comedian used it, you know, ladies and germs. <laughs> now it's not funny, goddammit. I wish it was because I like it. Uh, all right. 
I guess we're done. This is whatever I said, 24, I think, 24. Um, next time we, we just got to chew through more questions. Okay. Remember, you're getting, you're not going to get any kind of quintessential truth on, on YouTube or anywhere else. Even some of the uh, RSS feeds are trying to insert their version of acceptable speech. It has nothing to do with societal norms or anything else. It's just the personal views of the people in charge. Of, of, the, of those servers. If somebody had a bad experience one time when they were four with a rabbit, oh, fuck that, no, you can't talk about rabbits, no, God, no, we'll ban you, we'll ban you, we'll close your account. You know, it's that goddamn harebrain. Like a poor guy, a poor guy. I really felt sad when he's, he's going on there, he's talking to his wife on that podcast and he's saying, pussy, pussy, can we say pussy? We're going to have to bleep this, aren't we? Because his stuff goes straight to YouTube. I'm thinking, oh God, you poor bastard. You're living under that. What was the name of that guy? Democla? Oh, hell. I gotta look it up. Okay, I don't know the correct pronunciation. It's the sword of uh, Damocles or Democles. I'm not sure. I forget. Uh, that was a king who sitting on his throne and somebody complimented him on what a great life he had. And he said, oh, you think so? Look up, Paisano. So the guy looked up. I said, right above the king's head, there's a sword, huge sword. Hanging there, directly above his head, three feet above his head. Hanging by the hair from the tail of a horse. One hair. Could drop any second. That's what these guys with YouTube and all these other venues, that's, that's, that's what they're living under, that sword. And I personally know lots of people who are going along for months and years, building their, their channel, building their audience. Ah, oh, they're doing great, they're making money. And then one day, the rug, right out from under them, channel shut down. Because they said something like, you know, men are ugly. There's no, there's no predicting it. The, the TOS terms of service are so nebulous and arbitrary and capricious, open to interpretation. You could say the little brown fox jumped over, however that went, the foot. The, I mean, the, not the foot, the fence. The little brown fox jumped over the fence. Okay, that, say that, try it. Maybe they'll ban you for that. You don't know from one given moment to the next. Maybe they'll say, well, that's hate speech, you know. Uh, we don't like it. it. That's derogatory towards the fox or something. Uh, I used to do some podcasts about Southeast Alaska because I spent some time up there. Now, Ketchikan, Alaska, down Southeast, is one of the rainiest places on Earth. Not the rainiest place, but it's right up there. What do they get? I think they're getting like 150 inches a year, something like that. There's hardly a day where it doesn't rain. Hardly a day. Maybe first week in August, you'll get three, four days. That's about it. Uh, 
and I talked about what a miserable climate that was for some people. Some people like it, not that many, because the town's pretty small. You know, it's not growing really well a little bit. Um, and I was always afraid I was going to get jerked from YouTube because they would say, well, that, that, that's disparaging of the people of Ketchikan, Alaska. You know, you're, you're putting down their, their place there, you know, saying it's terrible because it rains. Well, ah, we can't, we can't allow that, you know, that makes them feel bad. That's hate speech. You don't know from any given moment to the next. So these are the only ones I know of where people, where, where somebody is actually telling it like it is. Um, and I'll continue. I don't care how I have to do it. Continue. Not going to be censored. All right. Thank you very much. Good evening and um, good night.